two, three, four. Y'all ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen. Hard Knock Radio, David D hanging out with you this afternoon. Last night, um, a lot of people were tuned in to see what was going to happen with the debates, uh, the vice presidential debates between uh, um, current vice president Mike Pence and uh, vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris. There was a lot at stake in the sense that the first debate ended in uh, fiasco, a lot of uh, over-talking, a lot of running, the moderators weren't good, and nothing was really said of substance. Um, there was a lot in terms of history, Kamala Harris being the first African-American woman, um, Indian woman on the stage in the vice presidential uh, contention. Um, people wanted to see if the debates would be dialed back a little and there'd be some civility and some substance. And we're just coming off of this White House um, with everybody around them contacting the coronavirus. So what was that about? And that's on top of the issues at hand. And so we wanted to talk with a number of people uh, this afternoon who can maybe parse this out. We're joined by Greg Pallas, uh, investigative journalist, who we all know from his bestseller, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. He's just released a new book called How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's vanished voters and he's knee deep in voter suppression we're also joined by pastor mike mcbride um, of the way church he's also been doing a lot of GOTV stuff in the battleground state as we speak he's been him and the black church pack have been knee deep in talking with uh african-american voters and uh, he is no shrinking violet when it comes to politics and lastly, we have George Galvis, the executive director of Community United for Restorative Justice, better known as Courage. And we wanted to have George on because he's been knee deep in the Capitol with a lot of the social justice bills that we hold near and dear. He's the co-founder of All of Us and None. So let me just um, welcome you all to the show. And let me just kind of quickly go around and get your takes on anything that stood out. And I'll start off with you, Greg Palace. anything that resonated with you last night? Was it what you expected or was it just business as usual? Well, it wasn't very exciting, but that's good for Kamala Harris. Um, you know, she she somehow dialed down her smarminess uh, and her better than than thou attitude. And, you know, um, uh, you know, Pence was uh, kind of a potato sitting there with a fly on it. But the, the real thing that we took away was the second to last question about, you know, are you have you talked to your candidates, like to the president, about whether, you know, when you would take over, when you'd be in charge? That's a matter of saying who trusts you. So the guy, the most important guy at the debate wasn't there. 
Donald Trump. Because here's a guy, think about it. This man is jacked up on steroids. And we know he takes from uh, from Kellyanne Conway's husband. He, he's on Adderall too. Now I have to tell you, I'm gonna admit this. I About 12 years ago, I combined Adderall and steroids because I had a, a, a rash. And I gotta tell you, I was psycho. <laughs> I was psycho. And and you begin with a president who's already a psychopathic narcissist. And by the way, I'm not just throwing that out. Uh, Dr. Thayer Green, who I've consulted with, has said, look, it's a straight diagnosis. This guy is psychopathic. And so you mm. add in going nuts on Adderall and steroids, and he still doesn't turn over the government to Mike Pence. You know, when George W. Bush had a colonoscopy, he turned over... For 45 minutes, he turned over the presidency to his vice president. Trump doesn't trust Pence at all. So, and I, that's the message that came across that they wow. are not the same person. That's something to definitely think about and, and consider. Um, what about you, Pastor Mike? What stood out for you? And especially with the work that you all have been doing with the Black Church Pack. Um, you know, I've been on those calls with you all when you've been talking um, with people in the battleground states. And, and I've, I've been telling people it's a very, very different reality um, in Michigan and Ohio and Florida and all these places that you all been covering than it is on New York and the coast. Um, how do you think this would resonate with uh, the folks that you all have been dealing with? Well, I, I obviously think that we are 27 days away from, um, you know, at least election day. I think four or five million people are have voted or are voting currently. So the die is cast. And I think at this moment, uh, it's, it's a turnout election. Uh, our efforts, uh, as well as many of the folks we know, are just attempting to keep our base of, of voters um, animated and activated and energized um, because of the, the political choices we have on uh, the Democratic side. There's not a lot of excitement or enthusiasm. I think Kamala Harris's performance last night certainly kept the prevent defense strategy that the Biden campaign has been playing for quite some time in, in, a, in a good position. I think there has been excitement, honestly, uh, by the first black woman um, being uh, on that debate stage debating. We've heard folks all last night and, and today uh, in our networks excited about that. So I think it just really depends on where you sit on the political spectrum. For I think people who are very progressive, uh, they felt like last night may have been a bit of a downer. I think mainstream uh, black folks in the Midwest and the South, I think we're very energized by just the optics of, of uh, her performance. But I still think at the end of the day, um, it's really about turnout and uh, the mechanics of that and uh, the commitment to that is going to decide who wins this election. Let me ask you this, if you can put on your Bay Area hat for a moment. Did your mouth drop or did you expect the answer when she talked about the legalization of weed and she talked about prosecuting <laughs> cops, considering the fight around Mario Woods and in her absence around some of those things? What was your reaction to that? Or <laughs> You have a smile on your face now. People can't see it, but it was like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. Listen, I, I think 2020 is very different, even from 2016 and 2012. Um, and all, all of us have a pound of flesh. Well, I don't say all of us. 
But we who are in movement spaces, we have a pound of flesh that we've left on the pavement of this Bay Area to even make it safe enough for her to, uh, uh, you know, have some level of public enthusiasm about these efforts. So I just take it as a victory <laughs> that, you know, she's courageous about this now that she wasn't necessarily before. And the reason she's courageous now and others are is because of people like some of us on this call and our counterparts across the country who have made it uh, an unelectable reality if you don't support the issues related to ending police violence, state violence, the war on the poor, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I chalk it up as a victory. Uh, my, my mouth only dropped for about a millisecond, then it turned into a smile. Okay. <laughs> the smile you see on my face right now. <laughs> George Galvez, um, you've been knee deep in a lot of this. You've been in this movement space for a minute. Um, how did you see it last night? What came away? Um, what did you take away or, or anything stood out for you? Well, I felt it was fairly uneventful, underwhelming, and I think that was essentially the goal. So I think both candidates probably accomplished their goal. I think the goal of Mala Harris was to um, not create any kind of controversy because they're ahead, right? And I think they just want to maintain that lead without kind of big sound bites or anything that might move folks either way because they want to maintain that lead. And I think in terms of uh, Vice President Pence, I think that um, – you know, his 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 agenda was to try to make their crazy ass white supremacist agenda feel normalized. And mm. the fact that he can do it in like a straight face, you know what I'm saying? And not foaming at the mouth the way Trump was doing in the presidential debate. Um, I think he accomplished his goal, too. But I think the real question is, is who was the winner of the debate? And I think it was the fly that landed on Vice President <laughs> Pence's head yesterday. And, and, and I want to really point out and punctuate just kind of the poetic. Uh, you know, um, gesture of that because the fly landed on his head just as he began to talk about racial inequality and uh, implicit bias by police being non-existent, right? Yeah. Not existing. And the fly landed on his head to basically call BS straight up. You know what I'm saying? And so to me, that was the winner of the debate last night. Yeah, that was interesting when that came out, you know, and that exchange around that time was also interesting because it was a time when he actually brought up the critique towards Kamala and then was basically doubled down like, hey, man, you know, police haven't done nothing wrong. They're, they're good guys. You guys don't understand. And it was like whatever critique you had of Kamala compared to his outright denial and then doubling down of, uh, you know, the police are here for us and, and excusing them. I thought that was pretty glaring. You know, it, it, it said a lot right there. And then Absolutely. the fly, the fly landing on him uh, just topped it off. And let's be real, man. Like the fly didn't like, I mean, come on, man. Everybody probably didn't had a fly on them one time, but it's usually like a second or two. Like that fly was straight tap dancing on his head for like minutes and minutes and minutes. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't think that was a coincidence, man. I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah. I hear you on that. Let me come back to you, Greg. Um, they didn't talk about voter suppression. They talked a little bit about the concern of voter fraud and Pence floated that out there uh, and it didn't get challenged. Nobody really bucked back on that. And I was concerned about it from the work that you're doing um, with this whole planting the seed of doubt that if you do mail voting, it's all gonna be fraudulent. 
we're not hearing the stories about, for example, in Texas, only having one drop-off spot in a county. And I worked in Harris County. That place is, you know, that's bigger than the Bay and then some, right? That's bigger than L.A. So you're talking about something pretty expansive, and that's just one county. So what was your takeaway on the voter suppression piece? Well, two things. Um, let's talk about the Pence uh, and and Agent Orange going on about the massive fraud of mail-in voting that can occur. Okay, it's baloney. We all know that. There'd be another fly landing on him for that one. Um, I actually, in How Trump Stole 2020, I did a calculation. I took the, um, the actual records of fraud from uh, Professor Manitti, uh, uh, who is the number one expert on fraud, and I calculated that the chance of your committing vote fraud with a mail-in ballot is um, you're 527% more likely to get hit and killed by lightning wow. than to cast a fraudulent vote. But here's the thing that's not talked about by the Democrats, which is really important. Not that voters commit fraud with mail-in ballots or you're going to get a million ballots from Venezuela with all the crap they're talking about. What I'm concerned with is that voters are being defrauded out of their vote through mail-in ballots. I was just talking to Professor Barbara Arnwine, you know, uh, I know who that is. Yeah. number one voting rights expert in America. And she says, look, for the African-American community, the mail-in ballot is a disaster. In Louisville, they were knocking out one in 10 black votes that were being mailed in. One in 10 people don't get the ballots that they request. Now, I'm not talking California or the left coast, you know, Oregon, California, Washington, uh, Utah, Colorado, and Hawaii are automatic mail-in states. Don't worry about your mail-in vote. Where we have to worry about the mail-in vote is in America. That is places like Texas, Ohio. By the way, Ohio, I was there filming in, in where the Republican Secretary of State pulled the same stunt. One single place for early voting for each county, to be fair, including the white rural counties where there's 6,000 people. There's one county with 6,000 people, including cows. And then Cleveland gets one early voting station. I was in line with people for five hours on Souls to right. the Polls Day. So what we have to worry about is that if we push too much for mail-in voting, despite what Joe Biden says, all your mail-in votes will be counted. If 80 million mail-in votes come in, I hate to say Donald Trump is right about one thing. They ain't going to get counted. Not all of them. And the reason is he knows that because his Boogaloo boys, those schmucks in Hawaiian shirts and the Proud Boys with their Nazi insignia on their faces, um, they are going to be gumming up the vote count. Remember, he's asking them to come in as poll watchers. People are worried about intimidation. I haven't seen, when I was with those uh, African-Americans waiting in line, no one's going to intimidate them out of line. It would be the Proud Boys that would be walking away bleeding, let me tell you. But inside, once you cast your ballot, once they start opening those mail-in ballots, I'm very worried about mass challenges to the vote, stopping people's votes from being counted, and holding up the count because if Democrats are mailing in their ballots and Republicans are in person and you cut off the count early, that's going to be very, very bad news. We saw that in Florida in 2000. I was there right. when Catherine Harris cut off the count the day before. Roger Stone led a riot. It was called the Brooks Brothers riot, where they where they were going crazy inside the Miami-Dade uh, clerk's office. They stopped the vote count because people were afraid, literally, of, of physical violence. And now this time they don't want to be afraid of it. It's going to be there. Right. Let me ask Pastor Mike if I could bring you in. One of the things that um, what you all have been doing 
is talking, you know, with the phone banking and the Texathons is asking the voters that, because you all have been targeting black voters in particular, to see where they're at, how they're faring, et cetera, et cetera. What's been your take in, you know, with this network of people? Are you all encouraging people to vote or you try, I mean, to uh, mail in or are there contingency plans to actually bring people to the polls? How, how are you all seeing this in your networks? Yeah, we, we have very intentionally tried to ensure people see this voting uh, process as a multiple choice exam versus a single answer exam. We invited people for months. Register to vote, but check your registration continuously because we know that the wicked diabolical nature of many of these uh, Republican-led secretaries of state, they are purging voter rolls disproportionately black and brown. So you have to keep checking your voter rolls. And all of you in California should do it, too. Go to blackchurchrock.com. Go to vote.org. Check your your poll or or your, uh, your voter registration. One of our black church PAC principals found herself unregistered to vote in California, and she voted in the primary <laughs> earlier this year. So she had to literally go back through and re-register to vote because somehow her name got purged from the list. So registering to vote, requesting the absentee ballot we thought was important. Why? Because it gives you two options. Either you can mail your ballot in if you do it early enough, or you can drop it off at the drop-off centers. Now, obviously, in some states, we're seeing like the funny business, the dirty trick of them limiting one drop-off container to a whole county like in Texas, which is just so wicked and unreasonable. But we do know that at the very least, it gives you a different option. Many of our folks are saying, though, they're going to show up in person and vote. They don't want to leave it up to the mail. They don't want to leave it up to the drop-off ballot. They want to go in and pull the lever like they traditionally do, which then has caused us to make an unequivocal call to white evangelicals and others who claim to be our quote-unquote brothers and sisters in Christ but want to show up in the black community and try to intimidate people on voter day. We tell these white evangelicals, if you've not shown up in the black community before this election day or in previous election days, don't show up on November 3rd or you may get some laying on of hands of the proportion you've not experienced before <laughs> in your life. Ain't nobody trying to be intimidated by no white evangelicals who in their, in their Sunday time, they're in church Monday through Wednesday and Friday. They're proud boys, neo-Nazis, the alt-right and the boogaloo boys. Stay home, stay out of our community. And we're going to have some of our own folks uh, there as poll watchers, as sentinels, as, as, as folks who can ensure that our people have encouragement and not intimidation on voting day. But it is indeed the case that a lot of our folks are saying we want to show up and vote in the traditional manner because we just don't have a lot of confidence. And isn't it sad that in 2020 that we have to create a voting plan to go vote after our ancestors literally have their blood baked into the soil of this country to ensure we've had the right to vote. Right. It is probably the greatest uh, indictment on this country's commitment to democracy, uh, looking at the way black folks and others are being treated. I appreciate that. George Galvez, I wanted to ask you um, a couple of questions for constituents that you deal with. Um, and both of them have been raised as fault lines around voting and just political engagement. 
one, the work that you do with formerly incarcerated folks and organizations like All of Us and None and the Young Scholars and Courage and what have you, there's been this push to make sure that that this uh, election is accessible to them. And at the same time, you've seen a lot of pushback coming to somehow um, use these individuals as proof that the voting system it could potentially be compromised or is fraudulent. That is one side of it. And then the other side uh, is, and, and it's almost been absent in terms of what we've seen discussed, is you know our brown brothers and sisters and the issues that resonate in their various respective communities. At one point, there was the specter of uh, brown folks who were undocumented were going to be the fraudulent factor in voting. And now we're just not having any sort of conversation at all. Le definitely last night, we didn't hear any of those key issues that might be resonating in, in various communities brought up at all. And, and so I want to get your take on those too, if I can. Once again, I think one of the things I would observe from last night's vice presidential debate was just all the gaslighting and lies that came out of Pence's mouth. You know what I mean? And the fact that he's able to do it very calm, collected for the most part. Um, and one other thing I do want to point out, too, because I think we would be uh, remiss not to mention is just the blatant misogyny. You know what I mean? Yesterday, yeah. I mean, he had no problem interrupting the moderator who was a woman, continuously interrupting and and. and speaking over Kamala Harris or during her time. And so, you know, as much as people were like applauding him for behaving better than than uh, than the orange man, it's like, you know, it, it was still it was it was still a display of just misogyny, patriarchy and uh, paternalism and, and, and all kinds of other problematic behavior. So I just feel like it's important to punctuate that point. But going back to your question around, um, you know, restoring voting rights, man, and the way that they're trying to gaslight that effort now. I mean, it's it's clear everything is, 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 is racialized, man. It's completely coded language that they're using to really try to undermine because they know that they can't win through a fair democratic process. And so the only thing they can do is steal elections, the same way that they're trying to, you know, bum rush, you know, uh, folks through the Supreme Court. And, you know, historically, it's always required a 60 percent majority. And the fact that they had also acknowledged, uh, you know, um, and, 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 and said, bring my words back up to me, right? You know, uh, you know, uh, in, in blocking Obama's nomination, uh, you know, damn near a year before uh, the 2016 election. And so, you know, the hypocrisy is just like so blatant, um, you know, and what we know is this, is that the, you know, you know, criminalization, state violence, and uh, mass incarceration have been the foremost ways of subordinating communities of color since Jim Crow, right? This has been the way to disenfranchise folks uh, from voting. And so what we've been able to do in Florida and what we've been able to do here in California, potentially with Prop 17, but certainly with AB 109, we were able to restore the voting rights through, uh, you know, uh, impact litigation case in which myself and Dorsey Nunn were both plaintiffs, you know, uh, restored 60,000 voters, right, that otherwise wouldn't have been able to vote. So, um, so, you know, all of these efforts have changed the game. And, you know, bottom line is, is what do any of these things, if we know that communities of color are being policed and if we know uh, you know, uh, you know, through a through a microscope. And if we know that these are, in fact, racist tactics, and if anybody still has to scratch their head and ask questions about whether or not police uh, are, you know, um, are, in fact, you know, a white supremacist organization, then that's, you know, then we got, you know, then they got issues, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, that's that in itself, like, we got to talk about the roots of policing, policing, and the roots of policing are in the slave patrols and in the cavalry, right? And the <laughs> prisons are 
the roots of the prisons in this country are in the slave plantation and in the reservation. You know, and if you were an indigenous person and you stepped off the reservation, you would be hunted down and potentially killed. If you were an enslaved African and you stepped off of the slave plantation, you know, considered a runaway, then you would be hunted down and potentially killed. So, you know, that hasn't changed. And that's the roots of those things. So trying to reform these things or repackage them or repurpose them in any other kind of way, you know, that's just not, you know, that's just not, uh, <laughs> that's just not something that, that can be reformed. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think how we're radically reimagining public safety right now is a big part of this election. And I think that Kamala's response and the way that she's trying to reinvent and rebrand herself yesterday around, um, you know, some of, you know, around, you know, and trying to present herself as a reformer, uh, you know, I, I think is a reflection of that. I think, you know, many of us are still, uh, you know, very skeptical about how genuine she is given her record. What I will say is that, you know, from the formerly incarcerated peoples and families movement, you know, we hosted the very first formerly incarcerated uh, presidential debate of the Democratic candidates over a year ago. She was one of the, and she was one of only three candidates that showed up, you know, so her, uh, Cory Booker, Tom Steyer, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I heard you ask the question, you know, to, to my brother, Pastor McBride, uh, about whether or not his jaw dropped to hear her say those things. My jaw didn't drop because she actually, you know, her staff met with us. Her and Biden's team met with us, uh, members of the FIC PFM steering committee, to kind of lay out their agenda. And I think, you know, uh, the interesting thing about that is they laid it out as if they expected us to be really impressed with it when we were actually very underwhelmed by it and gave a lot of pushback and critique. Um, and so, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't shocked to hear her say any of those things yesterday. I think what was um, surprising, and this is another issue that we don't really talk about enough in communities of color, and yet we're disproportionately impacted, is the issue around climate justice. Yeah. And so when, you know, when Pence came for her and said, you know, well, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, ban fracking, and she, and she came out and she defended fracking as a practice, that's what that really kind of that, that really was disappointing. That was really disappointing for me, you know, particularly at a time when we know that, um, you know, communities of color are most are the ones going to be most devastated and impacted the case of Hurricane Katrina, what we've been seeing here in California with the fires. And what people don't often talk about is the fact that, you know, all of our folks who are in prison, that air quality, the heat, like people don't even consider about the the impact and the conditions of confinement for a lot of those folks and the intersectionality with climate justice. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, you know, we saw the way that Puerto Rico, uh, also better known by its indigenous was abandoned by this administration, you know, and we know that these hurricanes are also associated with climate justice. So that's a whole nother issue. I think that also needs to be discussed is, you know, I, I mean, I know for myself, I'm voting, you know, uh, in this election, you know, the ballot from the bottom up, and I know where I'm going to vote. You know what I mean? I may have been, I may, you know, I may, I may have uh, my qualms or my issues uh, with this particular ticket, but uh, you know, I, but the, but the alternative for me is, is, is really allowing this country to devolve into a racist fascist state, which is extremely dangerous at this point in time. And I know at the very least that I can engage with the Biden Harris administration. And if we have to protest and push up on them, then we can do that. This other one, is, is a whole nother, you know, is a whole, whole nother, nother piece. I appreciate that. Pastor Mike, um, as we're closing out, what are some things that you feel need to be addressed that aren't? And are there any marching orders that you would give to the people that are listening in, including the fact that you all are doing these battleground um, um, 
engagement. So, you know, take the opportunity to let people know how they can get involved with that. I do appreciate how Kamala Harris made the point about the the ways in which, um, you know, billionaires have very much profited off of this pandemic. I, I think the thing we have to keep pushing her and others on, though, is to have a conversation about the poor. <laughs> um, it's not enough to just name the billionaires profiting. It's another thing to talk about the poor among us. Many of us are the working poor, meaning we live in paycheck to paycheck, paycheck to no check. And uh, and we need to start having a massive economic vision that is about basic income strategies, guaranteed job efforts, and move local elected officials across the country who claim to be progressive to pilot some of these efforts in every single city and municipality where it claims to be progressive. It is not enough to start having these kind of radical economic policy conversations during a presidential election. And so I would encourage folks to vote, as Brother George has powerfully said, vote from the bottom up on your ballot and put pressure on people in the last 27 days to ensure that they are voting in ways that have a radically reimagined concept of the economy and the use of our tax base to address the poor among us, uh, to defund, reallocate, refund, whatever synonym you want to use that fits with your palate uh, to make sure that police departments do not have uh, the 40, 50, 60 percent allocation of the general fund budget. And of course, we need to make sure that we are electing younger people with our politics into these elected positions. Look at the city council races. Look at the prosecutor races. Look at the House and the, and the Senate your congressional, your uh, state senator, look at all of these races and let's get some new blood in these positions. If you've been in office for 10, 15, 20 years and things have not changed for the good on your watch, that position is not owed to you. That seat is the people's seat. And if the people can't get any benefit out of the leadership being provided, we should elect new blood. That's what I would say to people. Start from the bottom up. But let's start voting with radical policies in mind at the local level, not just when the presidential candidates come around every three or four years, uh, promising us the things that they have not even proven they know how to govern to deliver. And how can people volunteer to do that phone text banking thing that you all are doing? Absolutely. So it's called uh, our, our campaign is called Organize the Church. And I know many of your listeners may not be religious people or church oriented people. But this is an effort where we're literally focusing on every non-white voter in uh, states like Florida, Georgia, uh, 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 Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina. You don't have to be a religious person. The scripts that we're creating are non-religious, but we are just focusing in on these states. You can go to bit.ly forward slash organize the church. We have these sessions every Tuesday and Thursday from 5 p.m. Eastern time, so that's 2 p.m. Pacific time to 6 p.m. Pacific time. We'd love to have you. It's a whomsoever will let them come. Squad of DJs from all across the country are spinning for those four hours. So even if you don't like uh, what you what you what you coming to do, come and just get your own uh, DJ uh, fix, and it'll be a great time. We have dozens of people doing it every week. Yeah, well, not me, but we've had uh, everybody from D Sharp on down to, I think, speech from Arrested Development. So a lot of people have been swinging through, and it's been a good thing. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, Greg Palace, 
last words from you. Um, you know, how are you seeing things? What are the marching orders for our listeners? Two things. Number one, check your registration. And I just issued a report, the Black Voters Matter and the ACLU just released my reports on voter purges in Georgia and in Michigan and in North Carolina. And let me tell you, I've never seen such a Jim Crow operation. Hundreds of thousands of African-Americans we've identified by name, hundreds of thousands wrongly removed from the voter rolls. Check your registration at SaveMyVote2020.org or Vote.org. That's number one. Number two, um, thank you, Pastor, for saying it's a multiple choice voting system, but it's not just mail-in or vote on the day where some fool in a MAGA uh, cap and no mask is going to cough on you. Early voting. Can I promote early voting here, especially midweek? Those places are usually pretty empty. So please, if you can, vote early to avoid the lines and then find out if you've got a problem with registration. In some states like California and Wisconsin, you can re-register on election day. Check your registration, vote early. And, there you go. and what's the name of your book again, uh, Greg? It's called How Trump Stole 2020. Don't worry, it's not a prediction. It's a warning on how to steal it back. There you go. Pastor Mike McBride, uh, George Galvez from Courage, and Greg Palace, we appreciate you all taking time out um, this afternoon. And, uh, yeah, we were supposed to have Alicia Garza joining us, so we're going to be doing a separate conversation with her. She was going to weigh in and couldn't couldn't do it at the, this time, but we ain't forgot her, so we're going to get her take on it. And so with that being said, we're going to take a break here on Hard Knock Radio, and we'll be right back. So thank you. Hard Knock Radio, East, West, North, South, Conectados. Every set, every hood, barrio to barrio, y'all stand up, stay righteous, speaking to the thugs, one love, we know where y'all at, hot, brown buffalo, it's a hard knock life, gotta pay your bills, they want a song about bling, but it ain't real, uh, we speak to the kids and the OGs, organize, mobilize, be the change you wanna see, 415's bumping, hard knock radio, brown buffalo, all up in your stereo. Yo, and to the youth, live life like it's golden. Go dumb, go hard, but don't forget where you're going. We from the hood, so it's all to the good. Let us know this what you're feeling is right. Let's get this understood. It's only one reason why we here today. We trying to make real music so the people can relate. Learning from this hard knock, slipping in these hard knocks, listening to hard knocks, questioning the hard knocks, learning through these hard knocks, living for this hip hop, listening to hard knocks, ripping to the hard stop, learning from the hard knocks, living in these hard The hospitalization of an American president is a story that pierces every other story in the media. And Trump has played it like he's on Broadway. I can hardly count the guys who've insisted that this is a hoax, that Trump wasn't really sick. I may disagree, but it changes nothing. For he's a man who's hard to believe. Around him, almost a dozen people have fallen ill 
because of the coronavirus. The United States is awash in COVID-19. And it ain't getting any better. In parts, once low in the virus, we've now seen spikes. Trump has ignored it, downplayed it, and likened it to the flu. Downplay it all you want, but this thing is real. And that doesn't mean that this nation isn't sick and getting sicker. Getting through this virus will take time. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. What you wanted us to be We are what we are That's the way It's going to be If you don't know You can't educate us For no equal opportunity Talking about
It is Hard Knock Radio. David D. hanging out with you this afternoon. And boy, what a riveting discussion we got a, we had an opportunity to have this afternoon. Big shout out to Pastor Mike McBride from the Way Church. We just heard a little excerpt from him. Big shout out to George Galvis from Courage. Big shout out to Greg Palace. And uh, we appreciate their efforts and their ongoing commitment to movement building and social justice um, here and beyond. One of the things that we are doing is we're coming down to the final days of the fund drive. I want to give out a phone number, which is 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-439-5732. What we're asking people to do right now is if you could make a $100 pledge or if you could pledge $10 a month, make a commitment. And Greg Palace, who we just had on, has agreed to include in that package as a thank you gift his book, How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's uh, Vanished Voters. And I think that's a wonderful thing. It's a good book. It's something to have. And as he said, it's not a prediction, but he's telling us, you know, it's a tale of caution, the things that we need to do, the steps we need to take um, to deal with this ongoing problem of voter suppression. And so, again, it's just one of the many ways in which we're trying to appeal to you in the final days of the fund drive. So, again, 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-HEY-KPFA. That is our phone number, or you can go online at kpfa.org. <clears throat> Again, kpfa.org. And online, you'll find that we have a lot of things going on. We have um, we have bumper stickers. We have we have T-shirts. We have uh, hoodies. You know, and whenever you get any sort of paraphernalia, I hope I pronounced it correctly. You wear any of the things that say KPFA. That's you become a statement onto itself. You're letting people know that there is alternative place to go to get news and information. You're letting people know um, where they can find that beacon of hope and sound and solid and consistent information that is rooted in the community. So again, I encourage you this afternoon on the final days of the fund drive to make that call. one 800 439 Three two or one eight hundred, hey, KPFA. And as I said, you know tomorrow we're gonna have, um, you know, Alicia come on, and so that's gonna be a big deal. Um, and uh, she's gonna, you know, break down her assessment of uh, of not only the debates, but she has a new book and everything else coming out. So that's gonna be a great discussion. We were supposed to have on this morning, but the timing just. Um, the timing just didn't work out. So we uh, we look forward to that. And you should as well. Again, I want to thank everybody who has helped out our efforts here at this station. We appreciate what you have uh, done. We appreciate your commitment. And so we want to go over the hump. We want to, we want to bring it home with a bang. And so for those who've been sitting on, sitting along the sidelines and just kind of you know, procrastinating, and I think we all do that. I know I do that. We're asking you to unprocrastinate. 
I like that word, unprocrastinate. We're asking you right now to stand up, stretch a little, stretch. Put your arms over your heads, you know, shake out your ankles, get the blood circulating. Move your neck back and forth, you know, to the side, you know, swirl your hips a little, stretch, and walk over to your phone or pull it out your pocket. Or if you're driving, pull on over. And I want you to take your finger and I want you to type in the following number, one 800 so 1-800-439, go ahead everybody, 439, so 1-800-439-5732. So again, type in 1-800-439-5732. Now, as you do that, phone's going to ring. And I want you to tell the people on the other end of the line that you want to expand this community, this KPFA community, that you want to be part of the solution. You want to be part of fortifying this institution, that you want to be part of the pushback. And you know it's at stake. So you want to tell them that you want to make a commitment. Say, I want to pledge $200. $200, it's an investment, and it's a way for us to secure a place of refuge at a time when disinformation is the order of the day. 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-HEY-KPFA. So I want you to do that. And I also want you to, um, you know, make this call. And if you don't have $200 to pledge, I want you to pledge $100. Get the Greg Palace book, you know, How Trump Stole 2020, The Plight of Vanishing uh, Voters. I want you to make that pledge. Or tell them that you want to pledge $50. Every little bit counts. Every little bit counts. If we get a whole bunch of people doing a little, it counts. It goes a long way. So let's make the call, everybody. Let's let's do it this afternoon. Let's not sit back. Let's not procrastinate. Let's not expect somebody else to do the very thing that we know that we should do. Let us put into action the things that we talk about in theory. When we say, if everybody just comes together and we all unite around a cause, things will go better. Well, here it is. Here's the cause. The cause is to keep this institution alive and well. Not for my benefit, but for our benefit, all our benefit. Look, last night you saw on national TV a bunch of lies. A bunch of lies being uttered. Lie after lie after lie. And we saw folks on the stage who make a million dollars a year broadcasting. Not Stop those lies. And then you heard the analysis. And instead of going, hey, let's meticulously go through this. Did this happen? Did that happen? Is this true? Is this not true? They didn't do anything. It became performance-based type of exercise. 
where everybody's yelling at each other and seeing who can come up with the hottest take. Like, I'm going to say something sensational, see if you could top that, and then we're going to, you know, leave everybody talking about how sensational we got with our rhetoric versus leaving people with information about what was true and what wasn't. We don't do that. You notice we don't have screaming, raging, you know, outlandish takes on things. We can. I mean, we can make the, look, every day we get folks, I can get somebody to come on your show. They'll blow up the spot. Blow up the spot for what? Spots are being blown up. Police are blowing up our spot. Greedy landlords are growing up, are blowing up our spot. Developers are blowing up the spot. We got enough spots being blown up. What we do need is a way to stop folks from blowing up the spot because it's such a disruptive force, it leaves us upended. And so we got to have folks to come on and say, here are some steps that you can take, as Greg Palace did this afternoon, or George Galvez. Here are some things you need to consider. Here's some angles you may want to look at. Here's a place that you could go. Or what Pastor Mike was saying, hey, here's some things that are happening. And you saw, you heard the information. Hey, the reason why the woman sat up there and took the position that she put is because of the movements that people like them had pushed. They had to come and meet with us. That's important. That's a reminder that the work that everybody here is doing, meaning you all, the organizing that you're doing is not in vain. It will get these incremental victories as we move forward for a bigger and better and a grander outcome. So that's the importance of this institution. We're part of that nurturing. We help amplify those efforts. We went to those debates when they, when they had those first debates. So again, one 800 439-5732-1-800-439-5732-1-800-HEY-KPFA. And I'll say it and I'll say it again and again. If we don't do it, if you don't do it, who will? Who do we expect to do it? And so it's really, really important at this point in time that everybody step up. Say, I got this. And you got this, and I got that, and she got that, and they got that. That's what it's about right now, ladies and gentlemen, as we're coming down to the last day of the fun drive. Also, we have the Don't Believe the Hype package. Greg Palace is in that package. Cornell West is in that package. We got all kind of folks in that package. Roxanne Ortiz Dunbar is in that package. Talking about indigenous rights. Got a lot of people in that package. Pastor Mike McBride is in that package. Can you pledge $5 a month? Can you do that? Look, $5 a month. Can you do $25? Can you make a pledge for that? Can you become a member of this station? Can you do that? 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-HEY-KPFA.
And again, if you don't do it, who will? Can you go online and pledge kpfa.org? I got this. Let me go get a T-shirt. Let me go get a hoodie. Let me go get some KPFA socks. Let me go get a mug. Let me get some other swag, as they call it. Wear it proudly. Make a statement. You wear your mega hat, I got my KPFA shirt on. Reminding people that this is where real information is cultivated. You want to hold up as a model of success? Disinformation, confusion, disappointment, disparaging remarks. You want to hold that up? Well, you know what? We got this. Inspiration, awe-inspiring, committed, dedicated. Folks who are out here making a way out of no way. KPFA. So 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732-1-800-439-5732-1-800-HEY. KPFA. With that being said, we're going to turn it over to Flashpoints. I want to thank everybody who's taken time out this afternoon. We appreciate what you're doing. We appreciate your efforts. We appreciate your commitment. We appreciate your support. I'm going to say the number one more time. 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Flashpoints is up next. Peace.